You're listening to the Fresh Takes on Tech podcast, a show from the International Fresh Produce Association. This is a show for people interested in the intersection between technology and the produce and floral industries. Every week, we explore the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the industry. If you are interested in the innovations that create change, this is the place for you. Let's dive in. Hello, I'm Bonnie Estes, your host of Fresh Takes on Tech. This season, we are highlighting companies in the Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator. The Accelerator is a six-month program bringing new technology into the produce industry. For more information on the Accelerator, contact me or go to freshproduce.com. Today, unfortunately, is our last conversation of this season with the Catalyst participant, and I'm happy to be speaking with Casey Snyder, Sales Operation Manager of NetLet. So welcome, Casey. It's great to have you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Great. So tell us a little bit about the company and uh, just kind of get us going on, on talking about the company. Sure, of course. So at NetLed, we are vertical farm technology and service providers. At the core of our business is our Vera vertical farm platform. That's a fully automated system, custom designed for all of our grow operators with our own proprietary software. The mission of the company is to really reduce the burden of traditional open field growing and to also improve the reliability and consistency of all growing methods, whether they're in a controlled environment, greenhouse, or outdoors. Um, I can tell you a little bit about the history of the company. Um, our, our founder and our, our CEO, uh, Nico Kivioya, he is based in Finland. That's where the, the company is headquartered. And his family uh, came from um, organic tomato growers. And at one time, they were the, the largest um, organic growers in Finland. So he has a long history in the greenhouse industry. And um, as he came of age with his siblings, they decided to focus more on the technology and understanding how they could improve the efficiencies of the growing process. Uh, So this started with the LED lighting, and they spent a lot of time um, trying to improve and perfect upon the lighting systems that existed. And eventually that sort of uh, matured and uh, LEDs became a little more efficient and reliable. And then from there, they considered what other aspects of greenhouse growing are really cost prohibitive, and that is the space required to grow. So that's when they started to look into vertical farming. And we've been focused in that area ever since. Wow, that's a great story. I didn't know that. So they um, they were originally greenhouse growing tomatoes in greenhouses indoors, right? And then they started working on uh, enhancing the lights. Like, how long ago was that? Was that like ten years, twenty years? When did yeah, they first that start? was like in the early two thousands that the LED uh, lighting component was going on. And um, actually, it's a good opportunity to note that at one point they had actual netting for the LEDs and that's where the name of the company comes from. So it's cool. Net LED, um, but net led, you know, that's where we are today. <laughs> oh, I, I wondered about that. And when I first read it, I kept saying, well, is it net LED? Or yeah, exactly. I mentioned to them that, um, you know, maybe in the American or, or English speaking markets, it's going to be a little tricky. But then when you have a chance to tell that story and explain the history of the company, I think now it's kind of memorable and it sticks with people. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so I was looking at your um, specific background. So you're sitting in Finland today as yeah. I'm talking to you. And That's right. you've worked for a number of Finnish companies. So what landed you at NetLed and what is your Finland connection? Yeah, for sure. So I'm originally from New Jersey <laughs> and I spent um, a long way from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> I spent many years living in various places along the East Coast. And then about six years ago, I moved here to Finland. And uh, I can say I love the country, but it's also the love of my husband that brought me here. So <laughs> uh-huh. that's my it was immediate, man. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that's the immediate connection. Um, so then uh, once I was here, I realized there was a really great opportunity for me to work with Um, Finnish and Nordic growth companies, companies that have established themselves in this marketplace, but needed support with go-to-market strategies for other international locations. I met our CEO, Nico Kivioya, in 2019 at an event called Slush uh, here in Helsinki. It's a big deal startup type of event every year. Um, And I was just so fascinated by the concept. I don't have a a history in uh, science per se or technology, but I was really um, impressed with the work that he was doing at that time. And um, so I started working for him then um, in a bit of a freelance capacity. And then I joined the team full time in January of this year. Um, it's not only the, I think, the strength of the technology and the the innovations that they're working on, but it's also the charisma of the team that I really found. It's just so unique and impressive. And I felt confident that if I spend some time with them, that I could really help them find success um, outside of the Nordics. And um, it's it's an awesome ride. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot every day, something new, but they're an amazing team. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, great. That's a great story. Um, so you kind of have a different vantage, both, you know, having watched and watching currently the rise of, of indoor growing in the U.S. and then working for this Finnish company that's so early stage and how they're thinking about it. So how do you see the controlled environment ag industry? What does it look like for you? What are some things that you're noticing about the growth and, and the different regions? Yeah, yeah, that's totally right. It's super new for me um, from a business perspective, but of course, as a consumer, and I also have a history in the hospitality industry, so I can kind of look at it from, you know, that retail or distribution perspective. Um, and we are in such a very early stage. Um, I've had the opportunity to attend a lot of events with the company over the last couple of years and understand the early conversations and the people that were attending the exhibits and such and now how how it's evolved. Um, it's also really interesting because it's an area that's getting a lot of investor attention, um, which at first is a little bit challenging because the excitement is focused on disruption and technology and kind of being the leaders of that movement. Um, But now we've started to mature and we're gaining a lot of attention from more traditional retailers, um, people that are already in the produce industry or are growers themselves and are now starting to take um, not only CEA, but specifically vertical farming more seriously. Um, And that started to really um, evolve the whole conversation and and become... um, more uh, feasible that this is something that's really going to to gain traction. So who are your customers? Who are the people? You have a slightly different business model than some of the other ones. Who who do you sell to and how do you do that? 
So the first customers that we were working with uh, were in the Nordics and in Europe, and uh, they were most interested in our smaller scale systems. So essentially, they were trying to prove the business cases for their own um, ideas, and they were looking at us as proof of concept or research. Um, but this past year, uh, June specifically, we completed our first uh, commercial scale product. So that took place in Sweden. Uh, that was a partnership between the grow operator, Oh My Greens, and the Swedish retailer, Ika. Um, and so in that perspective, um, Ika was interested from an um, ESG model. They wanted to be kind of at the forefront of the sustainable uh, growing methods. And they looked for a partner that uh, was able to fulfill um, the scale of herbs that they needed to to produce. So that was really exciting. And it was it gave us our first opportunity to really um, see our system, our, our Vera platform work at full commercial scale. So now they're poised to grow uh, 2.7 million uh, pots of herbs annually, uh, 14 different varieties. And those will be sold in 340 stores throughout Sweden. So it's so a pretty big deal is a, a big milestone for the company for sure. Uh, our next project is going to be of similar scale also in the Nordics. And so that's sort of the model that we're looking to uh, repeat moving forward. And do they, um, I'm sure they private label it because they want their brand out there. Or did they mention you anywhere on the label or you're just, you're inside? <laughs> you're like an Intel inside. <laughs> no, I, it's so fun because uh, oftentimes when I'm talking to like friends or, or anyone about who I'm working for and what we're doing, they're kind of like, we've never heard of you. And I was like, well, that's sort of the point. You're not ever supposed to know the the machine behind, you know, the business. So, yeah, I don't think that we'll probably get a lot of recognition uh, yeah. ever <laughs> from our uh, retailers. But that's that's OK. Our job is to make them shine. Our job is to ensure that their um, production is so flawless, seamless, consistent that nobody ever wonders, you know, how the crop was grown or, or where it came from, but that it runs effectively. Do they promote the fact that it's grown in a vertical farm or they're just like, here's some great stuff, eat it. Um, so they don't make yeah. that distinction. Right. That's really interesting as well. Um, so we've done our own um, consumer research and this is also um, a similar in the spring of this past year. So a similar time frame to when they were doing their own market research. And I think um, comparatively, we found that not very many uh, consumers are aware of vertical farming in general. So in our case, um, I think it was one in 10. It was 1,300 Finns who were who were surveyed and one in 10 knew what vertical farming was. And I think they had a similar um, result from their, their tests as well. And the bigger issue is that the customers are motivated by... Um, where the crop is grown, so the locality and the freshness of the product. And then, of course, at that point of purchase, it's looking at the herbs themselves and seeing, you know, how fresh does it look? Does it look very full? Does it have a nice aroma? And that is what is motivating them to make the purchase. Um, in our studies as well, we found that uh, people were willing to try vertical farming once they realized that that was sort of the um, results that you got from a vertically grown crop. Uh, so I think it was about 95% were willing to, to purchase. And then 60% actually even said that they were willing to pay a premium or, or a higher amount for that type of crop. 
So I think in Ika's case, they are emphasizing locally grown. They have their own emblem for Swedish grown product, same as we do here in Finland. Everybody's really pleased to see it's a Finnish grown uh, crop. And then um, I think they're emphasizing, yeah, local and fresh over vertically. Growth. I love that, you know, because that, that's what matters. It doesn't matter how we do things. It matters what the result is. So if people see that it's longer lasting, fresher, um, locally grown, and that's what they're looking for. Yeah. And actually, to be honest, I've heard that um, that sentiment um, iterated several times <laughs> with the other guests on your podcast. So it gives me a lot of confidence that those are the same um, benefits and um, desires of the American consumer in the U.S. market. Of course, I would say that from my own personal experience, but it sounds like that's um, what's gonna what we're going to find as we grow there as well. Have you done any consumer research in the U.S. and do you know if anyone else has on on this particular area and do you plan on doing any or? Yeah, actually, that's something that we're highly focused on right now. So it's not something that we have done as of yet that we have any information to share. Um, But it's really exciting to see the number of CEA programs that are cropping up at different universities and have been able to find really great partners um, student-wise who are really interested in this and are combining um, supplier networks and retailers and consumers with um, ag universities to try to um, find some more in-depth information on this. So hopefully we'll have more to come very soon. Um, And then also there are some um, uh, private companies that are offering some research and, and doing work in the U.S., but again, nothing that we have available just yet. So where are you, are you selling now? Are you, you've got Sweden and Finland or do you have operations anywhere else? And obviously you're in the U.S. some of your time anyway, so you're trying to work into the U.S. So how's, how's the growth and the expansion going? Yeah, so the two largest systems I mentioned are in the Nordics, and that's really important for us because they are located in such close proximity to our headquarters, our team, um, all of our engineers, our our horticulture experts. So that's allowed us to really understand the whole business process, not only on our side, but for our customer as well. And um, from there, we'll start to expand that knowledge into other regions. Our smaller farms are located throughout Europe, uh, Poland, uh, UK. And then we also have um, a new farm established in Calgary, Canada. And that is, um, that's exciting because it's our official uh, demo unit and the headquarters of our North American operations right now. Uh, so the facility there, it's again, smaller scale. It's a 560 square foot system on two levels, um, but it is available for tours and for viewing. So anyone within US and Canada has easy access to see one of our, our source set up. Um, and then we will likely be expanding into, you know, Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, and we have partners there helping us do market research, but that's a bit preliminary at the moment. So when you build these different farms that you're just talking about, are, is that in partnership with a retailer or with someone else, or do you put up the capital to build those? What, what's the business relationship there? Yeah, well, the capital investment at this point is definitely coming from the grow operator. So what we found is, um, of course, the easiest route to success would be if we had a grow operator who is from the produce industry and has a relationship with a retailer. And perhaps that retailer has really high ESG goals and they're very motivated to get into the vertical farming space. Um, In that regard, of course, the capital is a little bit easier to access and we've got a much more solid business plan. 
Um, and the other case, though, most often we have people who are really interested in becoming growers or understanding vertical farming, but they haven't thought through the full scope of their business plan. And they're trying to understand what the distribution process is going to be in order for them to get capital and to get investments into their business. So one of the things that we can offer to them is support with market research and then um, the feasibility study and financial analysis to understand which crops are going to perform the best in their region, the highest price point, um, perhaps the biggest yield or the biggest demand, and then help them understand what the costs, the capital and operating expenses will be within our VERA system, and then what their return on investment would be. The International Fresh Produce Association is bringing new technology to solve industry's big challenges through the new Fresh Field Catalyst Accelerator. The six-month immersive program works with technology companies outside of produce and floral to experience the challenges in our industry and develop innovative solutions for a healthier world. Applications are due April 4th. Find out more at freshproduce.com. So you're, so how do you find people to sell to? Like, where do you, I mean, I know you sell, you talk a lot within the industry and I've seen you at different conferences and everything, but when you're looking for growers or someone that would purchase your system, where do you find them? Or like, where do you advertise? Where do they find you? How does that sales cycle work? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's definitely different than anything I've experienced before, but we are, we're very fortunate that this is such a, um, on trend type of topic at the moment, our volume of inbound leads and inquiries is really nice. And a big part of my job is speaking with most all of those um, inbound inquiries. So I spend a lot of time trying to understand who those types of people are, what industries they're coming from, what sort of experience they have, and what their overall business goals are. So a big part of our um, sales strategy is just to make sure that we've got really strong marketing presence, that we're attending as many events as we can, both um, indoor um, agriculture events, as well as larger um, produce, vegetable, floral types of events so that we are um, in front of traditional growers, traditional retailers, distributors, wholesalers, buyers, and so that they kind of know who to come to if they decide that they've got a serious interest in moving into the vertical farming space. Um, So I'd say that's the, the biggest opportunity for us. Of course, we have a really strong social media presence and we try to, um, be as active as possible and letting people know what we're working on and what our um, customers have already done, which, you know, of course, word of mouth is really big deal. So you talked a little bit about market research and, and trying to help them understand their market. How else do you try to help your customers succeed? Yeah. So, um, I would say a big part of what we've um, really learned in the last couple of years is that we have to take a more holistic approach to supporting our farm operators um, in order to make sure that they're successful and that they can ramp up in a timely fashion. So it goes so far beyond just offering the very best um, innovative technology. Um, To begin with, of course, there's the market research, understanding product market fit, feasibility. 
Beyond that, we have a team of designers and engineers who work with our customers to help them to realize the overall scope of their project. So whether it's going to be a new build of a facility or retrofitting an existing facility, such as the case in Sweden, where they used a steel factory and they've repurposed that for vertical farming. So our team has the resources to help, you know, with the modeling and the design work and overall concept, not just the... um, rack of the vertical form. And then we also offer a wide range of horticulture services. That way, if someone's coming to us that doesn't have the herbs or leafy green or other sort of produce experience, we can train them, we can help them understand how the whole process works and how to get the very best out of the system. Um, That also might have to do with crop testing as well, if they're interested in looking at a new cultivar or they're they're curious about growing something that's a little bit uh, outside of the scope at the moment, we're very interested in partnering with them in R&D. And then after the actual installation setup of the building, we offer an ongoing maintenance support, which ensures that everyone is trained properly, that there's a really swift on-ramping phase, and um, that the the system overall is working effectively. Um, That goes into the software and our HMI as well so that we are very proactive and we can find any challenges or shortcomings that need to be addressed very quickly and that we don't leave any of our grow operators on their own, you know, to try to survive. I can imagine you get all different kinds of people. That you probably get people who have grown in greenhouses or maybe have grown outside and then you get someone who just got a degree in literature and thinks it'd be really cool to run a farm, you know? So on that, I'm sure it's a huge um, different types of people that you get and people that don't know how to grow at all. Is it, I mean, do you give them recipes and really specific um, set the, so that the lighting, so they kind of can't fail. I mean, it's all baked in. Yeah, I would say so. That's a good way to describe it. Um, definitely. Like I mentioned, if I'm the first person to speak with them, it's really interesting conversation. And I really try to understand where they're coming from and the positives and negatives, strengths and weaknesses of the situation. And then from there, our sales team, um, everyone has a really high degree of agriculture or indoor growing experience. So whether it's Brent in um, Calgary, who you'd be speaking with, or Heike here in Finland, they're coming from agriculture backgrounds. So then at that point, they're really able to analyze the situation and offer the right recommendations. And then, yeah, from there, if it, it it's a really fun space to be in because if you're dealing with someone who has experience, then it's a very rich conversation. It's a lot of back and forth about the differences between greenhouse growing and vertical farming and what seeds and grow recipes and substrates might be effective in one space, but not in the other, even though it's both hydroponic system. You know, I don't know everything, but I love listening. And our our horticulture team, they get really excited about it. It's really fun back and forth. But then at the same time, if we're speaking with someone who's coming at this um, with no experience, or maybe they're just their own personal growing experience at home, um, then it's a real education. And we go through the process and we've kind of created a map for how we help to educate someone, what they need to look for, um, what's going to create the best growing environment for various different crops, and then how to monitor going along. Um, and fortunately, the growth cycle for many of these crops is quite short, you know, it could be 28, 30 days. So that gives people a really good chance to kind of learn quickly and understand, oh, yeah. um, see the results right away. That's great. So what's different about what you do and other types of 
people who offer these kinds of products and services? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, well, I think the first thing I would start with is the foundation of the company. Like I mentioned, um, our CEO, Nico, he's coming from a family of greenhouse growers. So that's always first and forefront in his mind. And he would be the first one to say that our system is built on the foundation of the success in greenhouse growing and then has just evolved to adapt technology. So I think it's really helpful to have that as the base for all of the conversations we have with our, our potential customers. Um, from a technology perspective, it's definitely the level of automation that our Vera system offers, as well as the closed loop system that we have. So this is something that is really great to get into the nitty gritty details with a potential customer and help them understand how hands off the growing process can be and how efficient it is. Um, so that's something that we definitely try to point out very early on in the conversation. Um, and I also want to just make mention that our goal is to make vertical farming commercially viable. So we're meant to do this at a very large scale and to be able to repeat the process in different locations for a customer. So it's not something where we're trying to maximize the space on a roof or a backyard or something. You know, we're talking about really large scale operations. We anticipate in the future that the customer that's growing the 2.7 million pots of herbs a year will be our smallest customer and we will be, you know, growing exponentially from there. So you mentioned a little bit about your technology and R&D. Um, what do you develop inside and what do you partner with outside and how do you continue to innovate and then pass those innovations on to your customers? Yeah, for sure. So like I mentioned, um, we're starting off with um, tried and true greenhouse technology that then we have enhanced and, and elevated. There are certain parts of our system that our are proprietary that we have designed because it works best in the system that we have created. Definitely the LED lighting is proprietary, the software that we have in the system, and then many aspects of the, the automation and, and irrigation. Um, one thing that is really important is the overall system needs to communicate with within within the closed loop. So this is all aspects of cultivation, uh, the irrigation, the climate, lighting, airflow, nutrients, everything that all needs to talk to each other seamlessly. So that's why we have our own proprietary system for that so that we can guarantee the total success. But then I would say when we're looking at um, pre and post growing phases, there's a lot of opportunity for a partnership. So off the top of my head, I can think of like tray washing and harvesting and the packaging processes. Our system is designed to integrate with those. So if a partner comes to us and they already have partners in mind or they've got um, existing knowledge that they'd like to incorporate, we can look at that or we can recommend partners that we've worked with that we think would be really successful. Um, from an R&D perspective, I'm... I'm really pleased that we have a team within within NetLed that is solely focused on research and development. That's both from a technology perspective and from a horticulture perspective. So there's no opportunity for sitting on our laurels here. Um, I would say herbs, leafy greens, 
microgreens, that's all the beginning of the vertical farm story. And this is really going to, uh, no pun intended, grow from here. <laughs> um, but we are testing so many different um, cultivars and different types of crops that the system can um, grow effectively uh, in an automated way. Um, our team has a chance to go out and do a lot of research and going to these events like Indoor AgCon and Indoor AgTech, that gives us an opportunity to see what other innovations are coming along that perhaps we want to integrate into our system. We don't have to be the best at everything. There's there's other really cool things going on. And especially the last mm, six months or so, I've started to see really cool innovations that are solely specific for the vertical farming industry, which again, I would say years past going to events and shows, it was not as common. So it's, it's really starting to get really interesting and important that we have a team solely dedicated to the innovation and, and what's up and coming. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I've noticed that too. They're starting to be, I think the early companies, like they had to develop everything on their own because yes. there was no one out there. Right. And I think now there's starting to be like this whole group of companies that they can spend all day thinking about how do we automate this? And so they're really being able to specialize and come up with some things that, that you guys just wouldn't, you, you couldn't do it on your own. Right. So I, I love that that industry is kind of emerging to support companies like yours. Yeah, that's, very cool. that, that's a good point. And I would say to kind of continue that a little bit further, um, our leadership team has always, every time we go to a show, they say, you know, no one is directly our competitor. Everybody is opportunity for a partnership. You just never know and try to be very open-minded and just learn and be curious. And now actually we're seeing that some of the innovative risk takers in the industry who went out first and got the investment and started growing their greens They've had success and they want to scale and now they don't want to be technology innovators anymore. They don't want to be designing their own systems themselves. So we're starting to have really cool conversations with some of the existing large scale growers who are now saying, okay, what we've done has worked because we've had to develop it ourselves. But now we want to focus on the business and the, the greens and we want someone else to help us scale the technology. So I think that's going to become more common as well. Yeah, cool. So one of the knocks against the EA that I'm sure you've heard is uh, about sustainability and energy use. And so how do you address that when people say your carbon footprint is too big or you use too much energy? Yeah, for sure. So I would say the energy conversation, we could look at it from two perspectives. One would be like the cost of energy and then the other one would be the environmental impact. So when it comes to cost, we always have to look at the overall picture of vertical farming. We can't just say, you know, lighting LEDs are really expensive because, of course, the, the capital investment in a system is very high. But then the long term um, operating expenses can actually be quite low. So we always do a feasibility study with a potential customer and help them understand the um, labor costs in their marketplace, the water costs, because it's a very water efficient system, um, nutrient costs, because that's also very efficient. So there's a lot of other things that we have to look at. Um, and then I think another big aspect of it is transportation and refrigeration and those issues that are reduced significantly when it comes to vertical farming. So yeah, it's hard to have like a direct comparison, but if we try to compare overall costs and, you know, operating and, and um, capital expenses, I think then we kind of come out, the 
a bit of a rosier picture. Um, and then when it comes to the environmental aspect of it, you know, again, we're at such an early stage with this technology and there's so much room for growth. So again, a vertical farm is likely going to be located much closer to an urban center than traditional farming is. So where are the opportunities to take the excess heat from the vertical farm and then put them back into the infrastructure of that environment? Or um, where can we be using alternative energy sources to power the vertical farm? So that's what's going on in both of our projects in the Nordics, because that's a high priority there as well. Um, Anything that we can do to incorporate those different areas, which again, just kind of leads back to the partnership aspect. You know, we're not doing this alone. We're not one company that's going to have all the answers, but we can um, take into consideration what is going to be most viable in a different region or location, and then build a really strong business plan for a customer. So what do you think are the three biggest misconceptions about vertical farming? Oh, that's so fun. Um, Let's see. Uh, To start with, I would say that vertical farming is not just the direction that the plants grow in. And maybe that's um, kind of a novice concept, but that's kind of something my mom would say. Like she sees greens growing on a wall and she's like, it's a vertical farm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, technically it is. (laughs) But uh, vertical farming has so much more to do than just the rocking. Even the space between the rocking, the airflow, uh, hydroponic, aeroponic, irrigation, um, all of the automation that goes into the elevator system that moves the the gutters from level to level, everything about that is vertical farming. There's there's so much. So um, yeah, I would say that's one thing that's kind of like a big misnomer. Um, Another thing that we hear all the time is regarding the sunlight. And I think there's just kind of a romantic idea that vitamins like magically descend from the sun and enter the plant and then they're so (laughs) nutritious. But there's a lot of research to support that plants don't actually need sunlight to grow. And of course, any grower knows that sunlight can be very damaging. It can be very inconsistent. It can cause a lot of problems for crops as well. So that's something that we um, we don't encounter that as much now. But I would say the first couple of shows that I did at um, more um, larger scale um, arenas, people were saying, yeah, but the sunlight. It's like, okay, I understand. <laughs> Um, and then the last thing I think that we, we come across most often still today is that people want a flat price for a vertical farm. Like, well, how much does it cost? Or they say, you know, the just want a quick estimate of like what it's going to be. And that's just so impossible, especially in our case, because our system is custom designed and we need to look at everything specific to their region and the crop that the person wants to grow. And so, like I said, we do this financial analysis so that we can understand all aspects of the growing process, the crop, market value, everything like that. And then from there, we decide how large the system needs to be, the level of automation that's required, the pre and post um, services that we're going to be incorporating. And then that's how we come up with a um, more flat price for capital expense and then operating. That's great. Thanks. Those are um, different insights um, on, on what it looks like sitting where you sit. So last question. So we've uh, you've been part of our um, accelerator this year, and it's been really fun to have you and your colleagues engaged and, and just have 
your type of company and a Finnish company involved, but how's it been for you? What have you thought about the accelerator and would you recommend it to others? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been participating in this program along with our uh, COO, Nico Kuruma. And I would say um, Nico um, and I had been discussing um, IFPA for a while and trying to understand, you know, the role that the organization could play in our development and growth anyway. We saw there was a lot of value there, the level of expertise, the networking, everything. So then when the Catalyst program popped up, he and I were both like, oh my God, this could be it. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for. IFPA on steroids. <laughs> it was like our in, you know. So um, we were at, um, I think it was Fruit Logistica. We happened to, to meet some people from the team. They really were excited about the Catalyst program. We applied right away. Wonderful that we were accepted. And then shortly thereafter, Nico flew out to California for the first um, immersion week. And he came back with just such um, wealth of experience. It really is um, the opportunity to accelerate the process of getting integrated into a new market. So we're a Finnish-based company. We've got a lot of um, connections here in the Nordics and in Europe, and that's where our base is. Um, and then how do you replicate that in a new and very, very large market like North America? And so for sure, this has really helped us uh, immensely. Um, and I have to say, my favorite thing for a while there, every time I was in a conversation with somebody, I would say, well, you know, last week when I was uh, attending that webinar with Bruce Taylor, and that was like <laughs> the coolest thing to be able to say because like how, how would I have ever expected that that opportunity would come along uh, at this stage? So yeah, I highly recommend it. It's been a wonderful experience. I have nothing but positive things to say. And I know that we'll be members of the organization, you know, moving forward for sure. Great. Thank you so much. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you and have any questions? Yeah, of course. Well, um, thank you for the opportunity because I want to explain that this is netled.fi, and that's a little bit tricky for people to uh, understand at first. So that's our website. And then the best ways to get in touch with us, I would say social media channels are Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, Twitter, and then LinkedIn is really active. And then for myself personally, definitely can find me on, on LinkedIn. And I'm happy to connect with anyone in the industry or who's interested in learning more about our technology. Okay. Well, thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. And, and thanks for all of your thoughtful answers. Oh, my pleasure. I appreciate it. And I hope we have an opportunity to connect it again at a future event. It was really wonderful to meet you this past June in Brooklyn. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.